All right, good morning, men. Uh, sorry, here we're a couple of minutes late getting started, and we're going to be a couple minutes late getting finished because there's a lot on here. I've got a lot of notes this morning, and we're going to try to get through them. So hopefully uh, uh, we'll have a good time this morning. I hope you enjoyed last week. Welcome, man, those of you who are with us online this morning. We're glad you're with us. And as we uh, continue about creating our cultures, it's just uh, a great thing to teach about because I think for us men, what we got to realize is one, like I spoke about last week, we're influencers. So wherever you are, whatever you do, you're called to be a leader, you're called to influence. And so all of us have this, this sphere of influence and a sphere of concern that's out there. And we want to make sure that we're ministering within our sphere of influence so that it'll trickle out to our sphere of concerns. And there's a lot of concerns. You know, I got a lot on my heart this morning. I think of Haiti this morning and, uh, our, the church that I formerly pastored has a mission that's been going into Haiti for years. I mean, since, uh, Hurricane Katrina days and, um, <clears throat> even a little bit prior to that. And so they've continued ministry there in Haiti. And a lot of the Haitians even have PTSD from the earthquakes prior. And so just be praying for Haiti. Of course, what we're seeing happen in Afghanistan right now, lots of things to be concerned about. Lots of real men need to step up and say some of this stuff's got to stop. I mean, these are atrocities that are happening to people. They're happening to women. And uh, it's us as men who have responsibilities in those areas. And it starts with prayer. So remember that as we pray, it brings about this this place of honor because God first put us he first honored us by placing not only his son Jesus here among us but also creating us out of his love because he wanted to honor us now we also should look to create a culture of honor that honors him of course because that's who we are last week I talked about how basically you can set up two forms of influence one of those forms of influence is any of you remember is fear so you can set up a form of influence for fear. If I, if I want my children to do something, I say, you better get in there and do it or else I'm going to whatever I'm going to do, right? You can lead your organizations that way. You can set up this spirit of fear and say, I'm the boss and you work for me. You do it or else you get fired, right? Or you can set up this place of honor. And a place of honor says, hey, look, I, I'm going to respect you. I'm going to honor you. And in turn, though, I have an expectation that uh, you would honor others as well as honor me. And so we're going to have a place of honor. We're going to create a culture of honor. And that's basically how how God uh, has given us the ability to lead as men. And both of those things come into play. <clears throat> All of us have probably done that at one point in time. We've tried to lead by fear or we've tried to lead by honor. And sometimes it's it's a mixture of two with my children. Let's keep going. But you know, God actually values the freedom for you to choose. That's why he put two trees in the garden. It gives us opportunity to choose. And there's a lot of different things that we can choose to uh, today. Uh, and I say this a lot, but one of the most important things that you'll do, if not the most important spiritual thing you'll do today are the choices you make. Because God gave us choice. He gave us choice to follow Him. He gave us a choice to honor Him. He gave us a choice to worship Him. He gives us the choice to honor one another, to honor the brethren, is how the Apostle Paul said it. And when I choose honor, this is what happens. My behaviors and my beliefs, then, then, uh, it has the ability to bring heaven to earth. But I'm telling you, dishonor will take you down a whole different road. And if we have a lifestyle of dishonoring, which, by the way, it's very easy to do. You know, uh, uh, Chris Craig used to say that. He used to say that when uh, it didn't matter who became president, in three months we'd all dishonor him anyway. 
uh, Republican, Democrat. Let me tell you, it does matter. All right. But as far as speaking on the terms of honor, we're taught how to be critical thinkers and, and from being taught of, about being a critical th- thinker, what happens, man? Oftentimes we become critics ourselves. And so we just dishonor everything. We just dishonor everyone. And we, we begin to lead from a different chair, a chair that's not an honorable chair, but a chair that tries to lead through fear. And that's not what we want to create here in the church. The church is supposed to be the example to the world of what honor looks like. And men, that starts with us. You know, I love the fact that uh, Hebrews 2 says this. It says, we are the sons who are brought to glory for glory. That we are the sons of God that are brought to glory. That word glory is doka. It means opinion. It means we are to be lifted by our opinions, through our opinions, and how we give our opinions, and even the opinion of others looking at us. They should see glory. They should have a lofty opinion of us and how we do life and how we live our lives. We must trade oftentimes our opinions of ourselves for his. Because God so had an opinion of you and of me that he said, you know what? I'm going to honor them. I'm going to honor them in this way. First, I'm going to create them. And then I'm going to give them away. I'm going to give them a show. I'm going to show them away. I love them so much. I'm going to give them Jesus, a man, a man who is fully divine and fully human. I'm going to give yet, give that to you because I love you. And that's God himself in the flesh. So our God is all about glory. He's all about honor and he honors us and he has us, he has an expectation that we would do the same. In Luke chapter three, verse 21, you don't have to write this one down. I don't want to spend too much time on this, but this is Jesus's baptism. And it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was open and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven, which said, you are my beloved son in you. I am well pleased. Right there, God did what? He honored his son. And and the other thing that you see in this passage of Scripture that I want you to see is that as Jesus prayed, it said the heavens were opened. That's a form of honor. As Jesus honored God, what happened? The heavens were opened, and God spoke. The Spirit of God came down and descended upon his son. And we are the sons of glory is what Hebrews 2 tells us. God wants to do the same for us, man. That's what he wants to do for you. Open heaven. This is what God wants us to do. He wants us to know that we access heaven through honor and by honor. In Matthew chapter 13, this is where I'm going to spend some time. I'm going to be in Luke chapter 4 too, but you guys stay with me. This gets really good. Matthew chapter 13, verse 57. So they were offended at him, speaking of Jesus. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country and in his own house. Now he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Now, notice what happens as they saw Jesus and as they uh, experienced that Jesus was a man, then Jesus had to had to confront him. He said, look, a prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown. Have you ever felt that way? Oh, that's that's A.G. and Eloise's boy. Right. When I go back to Tully, I don't do a whole lot of preaching in Tully. I love Tully, Texas, and I grew up in Tully, Texas. I went to high school and junior high. All my elementary days are in Tully, Texas. But who am I when I go back to Tully? And that's basically what Jesus is saying. He's saying, hey, you know, I can't do many miracles. Now, I'm not trying to associate myself with Jesus on the level of God by no means. I'm just simply saying you've probably experienced it as well. You've probably, he says, even in your own household. See, what happens in our own household is they say, oh, that's just dad. 
You know what I hear? Dad's just preaching again, right? And sometimes they get deaf ears to that simply because we forget that we are creating and supposed to create a culture of honor. It's amazing to think that Jesus' earthly ministry could be limited. Think with me for a minute. Isn't that amazing? Here is God of the universe, and it says that his ministry was limited because they would not honor him. That's amazing to me. It's scary to think about. I mean, Romans chapter 1, it says that God gave them over to a depraved mind and the passions and lust of their own desires. Why? Because they did not honor him nor give him thanks, is what it says. A culture of honor, men, is very important. Creating a culture of honor in your families, creating a culture of honor in the church, creating a culture of honor in your communities. Look, it is so key to changing the world that we live in. And Jesus shows us an example right here. He says it's, it's their unbelief. They don't believe in who I am and my capabilities and what I can do. And so he says a prophet is not without honor except in his own country or possibly even in his own house. Remember, a culture is about beliefs and behaviors. And even though he could do many signs and miracles and wonders anywhere else, when he went home, isn't that odd? The place where he should be most powerful, he was least powerful because of their unbelief. And it takes it a little closer to home when you look at Luke chapter 4, verse 22. It says this, So I bore witness to him and marveled at his gracious words, speaking of Jesus, which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Yet, is this not Joseph's son? So right there they go, wait a minute, wait a minute, let's, let's bring this back down. Is this, doesn't this one belong to Joseph? And, and didn't, didn't Mary get pregnant out of wedlock? Isn't there some more to this story? I mean, can this really be the son of God? I mean, he says great things. We know he's done some miracle signs and wonders, but let's get back to reality here. This is just Joseph's son. Now I'm going to tell you, uh, this is where the anointing kicks in because Oftentimes, men, what we don't see is that God has a ministry for each and every one of us where we are called to walk in our anointing, where something should set us apart. And Jesus is set apart here, and they recognize that he's set apart. They recognize that his words are, are full of wisdom. They recognize that he's done and has the capabilities to do uh, a possibly ministry in the future, ministry that is beyond anything else. But then they bring it back home, and they say, wait a second, wait a second. This is just Mary and Joseph's boy. You know, Luke's version, the, the people sitting around in Nazareth had a wow moment with Jesus. Grace and anointing filled the, the room. Then someone said, that's Joe and Mary's boy, the carpenter's boy. They devalue, they disqualify, they dishonor. And when that happens, it, what happens? There's no longer honor in the house. There's no longer honor in the community. See, when our opinion of others is different than what the Father's is, we put a live on having access to the riches that God wants us to have from them. You know, it's that way with, with you and I. When, I. when I try to see you or when I see you in a common way, then sometimes I miss the riches of what God has placed in front of me. Each one of you men brings something to this. Bring something to brave hearts. You bring something to the church. You bring an anointing here that, that what God created you for. But if I treat you as common, then I stand at risk at mis missing something for myself. And I'll show you here in a minute. See, uh, there's, there's another example in John chapter one. In John chapter one, verse 46, 
Probably one of, I actually usually start in verse 43, probably one of my favorite stories in scripture. I love this story because evangelism's happening. I preach on it because they talk about Nazareth and happy in Nazareth and their contentious moment. But it's the story of Nathaniel. And, and the scripture says in John 1, 46 through 51, and Nathaniel said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, come and see. Now, if you know the story here, here's, let me just unpack it for you. So Philip meets Jesus. He goes, oh my goodness, this is the one Moses wrote about. This is our Messiah. He is actually here. So he goes to Nathaniel. He says, hey, Nathaniel, you got to come and check this out. You got to see this man. I found the son of God. And he said, where is he from? He said, Nazareth. And so immediately, the neighboring town, the one that, that's played him in football and basketball and soccer and everything, he's from that town? You can't be serious. He's from Nazareth. And so he asked the question, can any good thing come from Nazareth? And Philip said, he said the right thing. He said, come and see. And so as the two began to approach one another, Jesus said, behold, an Israelite in whom there is no guile and in whom there is nothing false. And after he says that, uh, immediately Nathaniel responds and says, how do you know me? And he said, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. My eyes were on you when you found that fig tree. Now, there's a couple of things that I want to talk about as far as the fig tree. I've used that as a quiet spot and the importance of having a quiet spot because God is always there. When you set apart a fig tree, when you set apart a closet, when you set apart a, uh, a place to pray, a place that you go to, a designated place, Jesus is there. So Jesus calls him out. The one that you've been looking for has been with you all the time. The reason you didn't see him is for this next phase that I'm going to going to teach on for just a moment. A lot of scholars believe that this particular fig tree was identified as the religious institution. So it would have been like the the Jewish religious institution where where uh uh they would go out and they would do these practices but they didn't have a relationship with the living God. Either way it doesn't matter because here what I'm talking to you about is Nathaniel had to have a real encounter, and he had to see God. He had to see Jesus for who he is and honor him. If you notice his response, Nathaniel's response is incredible. He says, surely you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. That response alone, I mean, immediately following there, there was a ladder that extended. They saw I had a vision, right? A ladder extending into heaven, angels ascending and descending on this ladder. Have you seen that somewhere else in Scripture? There you go. Thank you. Jacob's ladder. I want you to see something that honor opened the heavens. It opens the heavens. And so we as men have to come in and create a culture of honor because we want to open heaven upon our church. We want to open heaven upon our family. Honor is that important to God, man. And so when you can create all kinds of cultures in your home, you can create a culture and a spirit of fear, and you can control from that. But I'm going to tell you there's not honor there. It has to be an honorable thing that we do. And so because of his opinion, because Nathaniel's opinion changed, Jesus was able to take him from a disappointing negative fig tree religion to an open heaven with angels ascending and descending and saying, look, brother, your, your prayers are heard. The heavens are open. Jesus went on to say, uh, uh, I saw you under the fig tree and you believe. And Nathaniel didn't see him anymore as Mary and Joe's son. He said, Rabbi, you are the son of God. In Matthew chapter 10, I love this. In Matthew chapter 10, uh, we've got three rewards that are given, and they're given basically because of honor. 
And I want to talk to you for just a moment about these rewards that you'll receive when you create cultures of honor. Matthew 10, chapter 40, or verse 40. He who receives you receives me, and he who receives him who sent me. Okay, and this is very difficult, and it's early. Let me try it again. He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of water in the name of a disciple, assuredly I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. So he talks about three rewards. These rewards come from honor. And by the way, sometimes we we forget this. Let me tell you something about, about treating people as common. Oftentimes you'll miss one of these three rewards. You'll flat miss them. So let's talk about a prophet's reward. What is that? I mean, see, we don't talk in spiritual language much anymore. I mean, even in the church, we, we kind of water things down to where we don't really talk spiritually. What, what is he talking about when he talks about a prophet's reward? Well, I love this because a prophet's reward starts with and through honor because as you receive Jesus, you receive the Lord. You, you receive the creator of all the universe and you honor him. And because of that, it opens up this prophet's reward. They have an increased ability to see and hear God's, what God is saying on behalf of the body. That's what a prophet did. Let me take it one step further. A prophet in the Old Testament was the word of God, was the voice of God. So when a prophet spoke, when Samuel spoke, thus saith the Lord. And so you would receive what God had for the people, oftentimes through a prophet. Today in time, we see a lot of uh, self-proclaimed prophets, and that and that's kind of hurt us in a lot of areas because we don't honor self-proclaimed prophets, right? A prophet's anointing should show up with a prophet. They should be able to break down the scriptures. They should be able to teach and preach the scripture, not only as though they're truth, but in a way where people can, can grasp it. A prophet's reward says this. It says that the word that is spoken to you, you will have the ability to grow in. That it's a word for you and you will have the ability to grow. I listen to a lot of prophetic words out there. We tend to think all prophecy deals with the future. Well, I guess if you talk about eternity, if it's the word of God, it's an eternal word. It doesn't return to him void. But that's not just what a prophet does. Matter of fact, prophet and preacher are very, very closely related. If you want to know, both of them deal with proclamation of God's word. Now, the other thing about a prophet's reward is normally a prophet's reward within the church happens through the fivefold ministry. So preacher, teacher, evangelist, those, those ministries that are here in the church for the equipping of the saints for service, Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. You wouldn't want to miss any of those. I mean, a great preacher, a great teacher, a great evangelist, those, those are things that, that we have a prophet and an apostle. What are those gift sets? What do those look like? Man, apostolic means to send forth, to send out. I was thinking today, you know, one of the things we had at Wolferth Church, uh, and, it, and it took some time to build it, and it's something we need to build here, though, is we had a first responder team, which simply meant if there was a national disaster or a world disaster, we had five to ten people that we immediately had the funds to send them to that area to go and help. 
So when I saw Haiti come up, it just reminded me, oh my goodness, you know, we, we need to, we're far enough down the road with this church today. We could do this. We could do something like that. We could have people's names on the list and say, Hey, you may receive a call and we may need you to go. You know, I went into uh, Hurricane Katrina and they wound up putting a red shirt on me and, and sticking me in with the Marines since I was a veteran and went out with the Marines walking through the water looking, looking for people. I mean, right after Katrina. And so, so there are opportunities out there and there are things like that, that as we honor one another, God will help us to shine and bring his honor throughout the world. In people's darkest moment, isn't it a wonderful thing when the light shows up? And that's what God's looking. And that's what a prophet's reward is. It'll deal with a fivefold ministry. It'll deal with what happens through the church. But if we do not have honor, you will not have a prophet's reward. You just won't have it. The other thing is that he mentions here is a righteous man's reward. It's a, it's a diverse reward. It's an interesting reward. The word righteousness means this. It means as it should be between myself and the heavenly father. Now, the cool thing about a righteous man, when you go back and you look through Old Testament, even into New Testament scripture, what do you find out about righteous men? They also hear God, but they have the favor of God upon them. Righteousness is the favor of God upon you. So when you honor the brethren, when you honor each other, when we build and establish a culture of honor, here's the cool thing that happens. You'll receive a righteous man's reward. And a righteous man's reward is, is a, uh, uh, is, it is as it should be. You'll also have, um, the opportunity to gain riches. And, and you see that throughout Old Testament, New Testament. Now, when I say riches, I'm not talking about just financial riches here. Bless you. See, so you receive a blessing. See how that worked? You get a sneeze every now and then. But, but here's, here's the cool thing that happens. A righteous man's reward means it is as it should be between myself and my Lord. And that, this is what that tells you. It tells me who I am in Christ. I'm good. Uh, there's an open heaven that goes before me and over me that I can, I can pray for this person. I have an expectation that something's going to happen. I am right. I am seen as being right with God. And in Old Testament, uh, you can look at Abraham. Even before the law, Abraham was seen as righteous before the Lord. You can look at Noah. He was seen as righteous before the Lord, as walking with God in an open heaven, an opportunity to communicate. So we receive that when we receive a righteous man. We'll receive his reward. The next one is a little one's reward. Now, this is interesting. This one I had to do some research on. Because you'll receive a little one's reward. There's a reward for honoring those who have nothing to offer. That's a little one's reward. They have nothing. They have a cup of water, right? But when you receive them, you're going to have the opportunity to lead them. You're going to have the opportunity to help them grow up. Look, we as sons of the Most High God, let me tell you something. We also have children. We have children of the household of faith that we are called to be responsible for, who right now in their walk with the Lord have nothing they can share with you. Isn't that fun? You ever get around somebody where you're like, I can't glean a thing off this person? Their, their walk's new with the Lord. They're, they're, they're brand new. And everything, that every time you get together, all you do is just give, give, give. There's, there's really no receiving other than, hey, they might honor you for giving to them. But look, that's okay because here's the cool thing about having them. We have the opportunity to raise them up and show and share them the love of Christ and to continue their journey and encourage them to continue their journey 
in Jesus. These rewards we don't want to miss, man. These are rewards that God has placed here, but the only way these rewards happen is in Christ Jesus and honoring Him and honoring one another. You know, the Apostle Paul reminds time and time again, honor the brethren, honor the brethren, honor one another. Because as we bring honor into the house of God, I'm telling you, it creates an open heaven where all three of these rewards will be offered to us. It's in His Word. It's in His promise. Let's pray. Father God, I thank You, Lord, that You are the God of open heaven. That, Father, that You want to release Your blessings on us. But, Lord, we have an opportunity and an obligation, Father, to create a culture of honor. For You are an honoring God. You first honored us. May we honor You. Lord, continue to grow us up and grow us out by the Spirit of you, the most gracious, honoring God in your name. Amen.